This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. California recently became the first state in the nation to require publicly traded companies based in the state to have women on their boards of directors. Nationally, 22% of seats on corporate boards of publicly traded companies are women. In California, a quarter of the companies have only men on their boards of directors. Not everyone, though, is happy with this move by Governor Jerry Brown and members of the state legislature. Over 30 business groups and California's Chamber of Commerce oppose it, saying that it doesn't account for other aspects of diversity. And this new law might even face some legal challenges. With more on this, we are joined in studio by Catherine Klein, management professor here at the Wharton School, and also co-host of Dollars and Change here on Sirius XM 132. Also with us on the phone, Annalisa Barrett, who is a clinical professor of finance at the University of San Diego School of Business. Catherine, great having you. You're on this side of the microphone today. It is good to be on this side of the microphone. Great having you, Catherine. I might turn the tables and be asking you questions any moment. That's all right. I I will see what I can do. Annalisa, great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So what was your reaction, Catherine, to this this bill coming forward and obviously it being passed in, in the state? So I have a mixed reaction. Uh, you know, personally, I'm I'm positive for this. I think it's good to have more women uh, represented on boards for a variety of reasons. The mixed part comes from I have taken a hard look at the research evidence on women on boards, and I feel as a faculty member and a professor, a researcher, like we should be clear about what the research evidence says. Yeah. What the research evidence says is changing the gender composition of a board does nothing for company performance doesn't make it better, doesn't make it worse. So gender, diversity of boards, we have a lot of research that says, you know what, when we look at the rigorous research evidence, it doesn't change performance. So there's a rhetoric in the in the legislature that, that says companies are going to be better, perform better. Yeah. Um, there's no reason. There's no reason when you look hard at the research evidence, and I can talk more about that, to, to believe that. Do I think this is important for you know women's fairness? Absolutely. Right. For women's representation? Yeah, it's good. Annalisa? Yeah, so the the California legislature was very interested in both aspects of um, of the bill that um, that Catherine mentioned, both the you know fairness to um, providing opportunities for women to serve on corporate boards, but also the the evidence that shows that you know um, there are many aspects of business performance that does improve when um, when there are diverse viewpoints around the boardroom table. Well, does this then, I mean, one of the other issues that is discussed quite often is not only gender equity, but pay equity as well. And I guess the question also to be asked is, is there an impact if you're going this route? Does this impact that end of the story as well? The the short answer on that is uh, I I don't think we know very well, but the research, you know, what we... The research evidence would suggest that's not the case. So let me just, let me say, can I say a little bit about the the research? Okay. So when you look at what people, uh, there have been a number of consulting reports that come out and say that there's a relationship between diversity on the boards, put more women on the boards, companies get better, or have women on the boards, companies perform better. Right. When you look, it turns out there's a ton of academic research on this. Like, it's really easy to get data on the gender diversity of boards. It gets reported all the time. There are hundreds of studies. When you look at the meta-analyses on these, which are statistically rigorous efforts to summarize, not cherry-pick findings, but to say, like, oh, let's look across 100 
140 studies, they essentially find a zero relationship between the diversity on the gender diversity on the board and company performance. Like what I like to say about this is there is no business case for putting women on the board. There is no business case for putting men on the board. Right. Gender, zero impact. Um, you know, it, we could get into how, how sm- it's super close to zero. So there's been a lot of research on company performance and board diversity. That's pretty easy to study. It's harder to study company diversity or board diversity and pay because we don't have data on right. what on what companies pay people. Because how much, I mean, the, the board of directors of a company has a, a level of impact uh, but but how much do they actually have when a lot of the decisions are being made by the CEO, CFO, right. the managers, yeah. and on down the line? Totally. I mean, they're you know they have a big Im- oh. they have big impact on the CEO's pay, but you know, <laughs> right. but uh, you know, <laughs> not on your pay, not on my pay. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Annalisa. They do. Yeah, they do have also not only impact on the CEO's pay, but also impact on selecting the CEO and ensuring that CEO is achieving strategic goals and movement along the strategic um, And in addition, boards these days are taking on a bigger role in ensuring that the CEO is ensuring that the company has a culture um, that is inclusive and that is positive and does not lead to, you know, making risky decisions, um, all of which, you know, can be reflected in the incentive plan designs or in the um, pay packages, but also, you know, comes to um, employee engagement and different policies throughout the organization. So you're right in that the board doesn't, um, you know, directly make decisions about um, about pay beyond the C-suite. Um, but in terms of, you know, influence, certainly they do have influence when selecting the CEO and ensuring that he, that he or she is um, creating a positive environment at the company that's going to lead to long-term financial success as long term as well as long-term sustainability. Right. I mean, I, I you know, I think that's I, I, I hear that argument and I and I accept lots of parts of it, but I would also think it's really important to understand, um, you know, to understand that the CEO has a lot of influence on the board composition. Yeah. Right? So yeah. CEOs, you know, they are either picking people who are on their boards or they are working closely with a with an independent board chair to pick people who are on the board. So it is the case that, you know, and, and that, so the, the causal direction, like we talk, like to talk about as researcher, goes both ways. You're a really enlightened CEO. You care about uh, pay equity. You care about inclusion. Right. You're likely to get board members who really care about this. Right. If you really don't care about this, then you're not going to be that keen on having me join the board. Uh, and and so it, the, the causality goes both ways. But how many CEOs realistically have, you know, who is – who is on the board? What the composition of the board? How many CEOs actually have that in, in their mindset to begin with? Because they're, in many cases, they're worried about what's going on with the with the day to day operations of the company. Obviously, the board is a factor in that. Yep. But but how much do they think of it? So I would have to well, I, I would have to be anecdotal about it. I'll just quickly say, and I don't want to hear what Annalisa has to say. Um, you know, I think that in my personal experience, I'm a member of a board, and I can the CEO and founder is paying a lot of attention, I think, to who's on the board, okay, and and how you know, and are they going to be supportive of the company culture? Are they going to be supportive of the company direction? Direction, and you know, keeping. So I, you know, I, okay. I think that's that's a big part of the story. Annalisa. Yeah, definitely. I would say that the CEO is is interested. However, the role of the CEO in selecting board members has changed over the last few decades, um, most dramatically in the last maybe decade or decade and a half. 
And uh, one one issue that's in, important to to point out is the role that the institutional investors are playing in um, pressuring companies to have board compositions that reflect um, a group, a team that is going to bring diverse backgrounds and experiences and expertise to the deliberations that come to the board level. So institutional investors around the country, around the world, in fact, are meeting with the chairs of nominating governance committee um, chairs to ensure that they have um, a robust process for identifying independent board candidates that Mm -hmm. are diverse, and several of the largest institutional investors are um, are taking very proactive measures to ensure that the nominating governance committee is owning the uh, process of identifying new board members and that they're considering diverse candidates in that candidate pool. Well, and Lisa, let me ask you, you being there in San Diego, what was it that was driving this bill in the first place to be to be brought up to the state house? Uh, you know, when it when it was starting to be you know an idea to do that. Right. So it was an idea that. Um, that started with um, a resolution that came to the um, that was voted on in 2013. So a state resolution um, calling on companies headquartered here in California uh, to add women to their boards um, in 2013 was passed by our legislature, and um, and, by, and the goal was to have the goal set forth in the resolution was to have. Um, either one, two, or three female directors on every board here in California. And um, by the end of the time frame in which the goal was set, so uh, December 31st, 2016, I did a study that identified that only 20% of the companies headquartered here in California had actually achieved the goal set forth in the resolution. So the senator that brought forth the bill um, decided that she would like to take the next step and move to binding legislation to encourage the um, the companies in California to take action on uh, making these changes in their boardroom uh, in a mandated format as opposed to a voluntary format. So then, I mean, it sounds like that, that this was obviously an idea that had been discussed quite a bit for, for some time now. And Definitely. and to a degree, the, the corporate community basically kind of pushed it to the side? So I think that, that you know, there's a variety of um, perspectives from the corporate community. I think, um, but no, no matter what the perspective is, whether it's that, um, you know, a board city hasn't come to their agenda yet because it's not something that they're focused on because they're focused on a variety of other issues, or if it has come to their agenda and they've decided to not act on it. Or, you know, a third option is that the board has has decided that they would like to have a more diverse board, but they have hit roadblocks when identifying director candidates to bring that diversity to the boardroom. Um, Whatever the the challenges are, um, the facts are that as we look at the statistics um, in gender diversity specifically, because it's the one, as Catherine mentioned, that we have data on, um, we see that although there are there's progress being made in more women in the boardroom, it's extremely slow. And so the um, kind of progress toward gender equity in the boardroom um, would be taking many decades to achieve. And so, um, so that's one of the reasons that the senator that, that spearheaded the effort here in California 
was interested in speeding up that process and, yeah. and mandating companies to get closer to that that position. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all those statements, and I think that it's interesting, and I do think there are... You know, there are multiple pressure. There are pressures on boards, uh, to you know, from a- activist investors, from others sure, to yeah. you know to get to have more diverse boards. And again, I you know I think there there are lots of reasons to think that's a, a positive thing. Um, you know, the comment that the that the uh, boards are moving more slowly are moving slowly towards gender diversity is really an interesting one to put in context. Um, because, you know, to the best of my knowledge, and, and Annalise, uh, you know, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but if we were to look at C-suites, it would be worse. Um, sure, yeah. You know, so yeah. it's... Definitely. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know... And, C-suite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and if we are, if, if, if there are, you know, having more diversity on the board gets us thinking about, gets companies slowly but surely thinking about more diversity in other, you know, in the other, in the ranks of the company and the upper ranks of the country, that's great. Yeah, and that's been really slow progress. But, and, and I think, Annalise, as part of, of what is being reported as the concerns of the of these organizations in the state chamber of commerce, it's not only just the diversity of having women on the boards, but but uh, uh, other uh, you know uh, other diverse backgrounds on the on the boards as well. Exactly right, and and this and, and that's something that the um, but the senator and the sponsor of the California bill. Um, uh, worked closely with them on and talked to you know talked about the fact that all that although this bill focuses on gender diversity, it's not at the exclusion of other aspects of diversity. And, and a note on that: one of the challenges is that um, you know, Kevin mentioned the data availability. Uh, one of the challenges is that we don't have data on. Um, the other other aspects of diversity of corporate board members. And in fact, when it comes to gender diversity, the companies are not required by the Securities Exchange Commission, the federal regulator. They're not required to tell us the gender of each of their directors. The way that we get the data on it is by people reading the biographies of the directors and looking for pronouns. Um, because the, the companies don't have to publicly report that. Some companies voluntarily do, but the vast majority of companies do not. Um, and, and so when it comes to doing studies on um, other aspects of diversity, whether it's ethnic and racial diversity, you know, geographic representation, sexual orientation, any other you know, um, aspects of diversity that may be of interest or may be um, contributing to a more... Um, more, you know, more effective team discussions in the boardroom. Um, we just don't have the data to study it yet. Although, you know, I think common sense and study of other, other um, studies of other, you know, teams and effective team functioning would show that any aspect of diversity um, brings a benefit to to the deliberations that a group has, and that's what we're looking for in the boardroom: is strong deliberations that are going to lead to decisions that are the in the best interest of the shareholders and of the company and of society. It's uh, it's such an interesting point, uh, uh, you know, and an important point uh, on data availability because having been yeah. looking at various aspects of, of, of company performance thinking and you know and and diversity and access, I'm struck again and again at how little data we have. And to make a connection to this conversation about what California is mandating companies to do. It's very interesting. You know, another strategy one could take is, okay, California companies, if you don't want to, you know, comply with, (laughs) this is too much, don't you want to comply with this? Well, then you just must share your data. 
and you must yeah. share data. You know, you must. So, for example, what would I really like to see? I, uh, having been thinking a lot about gender diversity in companies, I'd like to see yes. Give us the, the, the gender diversity of the board. Give us the gender diversity of the top. Tell us the gender diversity of your top management team. Tell us the gender diversity of your managers yeah. overall. Yeah. And tell, mm-hmm. tell us your gender pay gap, where the gender pay gap um, is the, the pay, uh, the amount of money that the average woman makes in the company versus the average man. Period. No, you know, not this, not equal pay for equal work. Just on average, sure. at the University of Pennsylvania. What's what does the average woman make? What does the average man make? Yeah. Now, the the United Kingdom has passed legislation requiring companies to do this. You know, and not surprisingly, companies are embarrassed um, sure. when, when they have whopping pay gaps. So they're not mandating companies to uh, get get rid of their pay gaps. But the the act of mandating companies to share data is good for researchers, but also, you know, moves the needle on practice. Well, and probably within those two questions, in terms of the data, the companies would probably be more concerned to be able to pass out the information on the pay gap oh, absolutely. Than, than they would be on the actual diversity of who's on their board, who's who makes up their company, correct? Right. Oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, the pay gap, yeah. right? I mean, they're, they're very closely related to all these things, but the pay gap puts a very fine number yeah. on, you know, and, and there's a, I mean, I, I don't have the statistics right in front of me, but it, it's basic. I think it's 78% of companies. The, the law requires, in the, in the UK, it's a new law, requires companies with 250 employees or more, I, I need to double check this, but I think this is correct, to report their gender pay gap as I defined it. And I believe it was 78% of companies have a pay gap favoring men. It's a, it's a it's a staggering it's, it's a, a staggering, staggering number. statistic. It's yeah. a staggering you know yeah. it just puts a fine point on it. So you know I'm all for board diversity, but I am also thinking like okay let's let's go after this other thing. Now it's very difficult to research. So it. so then Annalisa, is this potentially step one in in a larger process in the state of California? You know that that's a good question. I don't know what the legislators are thinking in terms of what next. Um, I think that, but I do think that increased disclosure about exactly what Catherine is talking about and, and other aspects of diversity within the company, um, you know, is always is always going to be helpful for a variety of reasons. I mean, one of the things we're seeing not only are the institutional investors. Um, you know, very interested and would be, you know, would see that information is very valuable and they're very anxiously looking at the UK data that Catherine mentioned. But there's also, um, you know, there's also other constituents that would be interested in that information, including potential employees. I mean, you know, I talk to a lot of undergraduate students, as I'm sure Catherine does, and um, they're very interested in how their company is approaching um, the issue of equality, whether it's, you know, um, men and women or inclusiveness in general. Um, and they're choosing companies that they um, that they work for based on um, based on how they treat their employees, um, how they treat the environment. You know, have a much broader view of what companies' role in society is than um, than at least you know um, decades past. And so, I think that um, the more disclosure, the better. One of the things that we have seen over the years is that as the Securities Exchange Commission has 
required more disclosure about different governance practices at companies, the practices have changed. Um, however, coming back to you know the the diversity in, in the boardroom issue, the, the, while as I mentioned, while the change is happening, it, it's happening very, very, very slowly, and that definitely happens right that it's you know even slower and even more bleak in the in the C-suites, but um, but the since the the board of directors, you know, represents the shareholders and the institutional shareholders, which nowadays for many companies own, you know, a, the majority of the publicly traded stock, um, up to 70% of all publicly traded stock in the U.S. So these institutional investors, um, you know, have a big voice in um, in in saying what they would like the governance of the company to look at. They don't have as much voice when it comes to Know, lower down in the organization, but since the board of directors is there to represent those shareholders, right. investors in the company, they do have you know that is a an area of influence that they can um, they can access, and they are doing so by both you know engaging with the boards and having discussions with them, writing letters to them, right. and and voting against their boards when voting against individual, you know, nominating and governance committee members when the board does not reflect the diversity they're looking for. Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We're talking about uh, the law recently passed in California requiring publicly traded companies to have women on the boards of directors in studio with Catherine Klein, a management professor here at the Wharton School and co-host of Dollars and Change here on Sirius XM 132 and on the phone with Annalisa Barrett, who's a clinical professor of finance at the University of San Diego. Now, Annalisa, not that this is necessarily your bailiwick, but as I mentioned at the top, there is uh, possible... Uh, legal challenges coming to this this new law, and, and from you being there in California, a law professor it quoted in an article from the uh, from Loyola Law School, Jessica Levinson called this un- unconstitutional because of the fact that it doesn't necessarily tackle all sides of diversity. Are, are you hearing that 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 is a possible that we could be hearing, uh, so we could be seeing some challenges legally to this law being passed? Yes, I have heard much discussion about that, and um, yeah, the issue. There's two issues um, that have been brought up in these discussions. One is the one that you mentioned regarding, um, you know, the constitutionality um, of requiring, um, you know, uh, of of, of a, uh, preference, uh, giving preference to one diverse group over others. Um, and the other is regarding uh, the fact that this law applies to companies that are headquartered in California. However, the vast majority of companies headquartered in California are not incorporated in California. Right. Most publicly traded companies in the U.S. are incorporated in Delaware. So a large percentage of you know, most uh, of the California companies are likewise incorporated in Delaware, Maryland, and Nevada are other states that are common for California companies to be incorporated. Um, the only only eight percent of the companies headquartered here um, that are in the Russell three thousand index um, are also incorporated here. So, um, so that is another question as to whether or not California um, law can impact governance at a company that's incorporated in another state. Um, so both of those issues. I believe will be challenged. I think that that was expected. And in fact, even in the governor's letter that he issued when he signed the bill, he acknowledged that there may be legal challenges to it. 
But it, it goes, uh, not to stay on that point, but it does go back to a degree, Catherine, on what you say is that the build-out of a, of a company and of its board of directors, in terms of the, 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 the performance of the company, as you said, with, with some of the data you've seen, there's not a, a specific correlation to having X number of women on a board or X number of African-Americans on a board, and, and there's a significant improvement of corporate performance, Correct. There is there so there's the what the research evidence shows when you look again at the meta analyses is essentially zero zero correlation between the gender diversity of the board and company performance. Putting women on the board doesn't make the company better, doesn't yeah. make it worse. Yeah. You know, if you had a company board, we don't have very many that were hundred percent women and you put men on the board, yeah. it wouldn't change the board. It yeah. doesn't make it better to add you know, it just doesn't that gender's irrelevant. That being said, it's still a, it's an important issue to discuss and and, and, to, and to advance. Board members have a you know, they have positions of status, they have a lot of power. And under some instances, you know, they do have a lot of influence on the company. Uh, you know, it's a, it's often a, mo- a more collaborative relationship with the CEO. But, you know, again, they do have influence. They have influence over pay. They have influence over policy. We can look at, you know, disastrous situations where the board has not been, you know, Theranos, the story. Sure, right? Where the yeah. board, the, you know, the board was kind of asleep, um, you know, not pay, not paying close attention. You would really like board members to be expert. Um, it's not clear that gender diversity would have made a whole lot of difference in that case. Um, but in any case, you know, board members have a lot of power. And so, yes, you know, to, to the extent that we can get more diversity on boards, that's good for just continuing to have more equality in this in this country and more empowerment. Is it going to make a difference for company performance? Yeah. No. And, you know, and I, the thing, you know, and, and I think board, I mean, I would like to... It's distinctly possible that as companies, if the law st- stays, that most companies will say, you know what, this is fine. Sure, yeah, yeah you know, exactly. It's just like, right. oh, you know, we had to add some more women. Okay, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever, it's fine. Uh, it won't make companies worse. Uh, you know, it, it, the research would say it won't make them better. And and it opens the doors a little bit more to, um, you know, women having more influence in these roles, more high-status roles, which I think is a good thing. Realistically, then, Annalise, I think in terms of this move, assuming that it does stay pretty much intact as is, it will change the numbers of people that will be on boards of directors uh, of companies, and, and it will, you know, it may have an impact at some point within the companies themselves on voting on specific issues, but in terms of of what you want to see for potential opportunities on boards and such, it it the number, I think, is maybe not as important where the opportunity is concerned in comparison to actually the impact it may have on company decision. Right, yeah, so we see that, um, you know, within the Russell 3000 index, um, you know, right now there are about 100 companies that will have to add women to their boards um, by the end of 2019. And, um, and the number for the um, 2021 deadline, which includes, which, um, which is when companies will have to have either, either one, two, or three female directors, depending on the size of their board. Yeah. Um, as of right now, 377 companies will have to make some change to their board. And that's only looking at the larger companies in the Russell 3000 Index. There are hundreds of companies um, headquartered here in California that are too small to be included in the Russell 3000 Index, and they are much more likely to be impacted by this bill because microcap companies are significantly more likely to have all-male boards. And so um, some of the smaller companies and many of the smaller companies here in um, in California are going to, um, you know, also be faced with making a change to their board composition. Annalise, thanks very much for coming on the show. Greatly uh, appreciate your time today. 
Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Catherine. Great seeing you. Great to be here. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.